From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for uh, uh, Wednesday, May 30th, 2018, the night before the NBA Finals commence. And for that, we welcome the man who will uh, bring us knowledge on everything from Pop-Tarts to Pusha T to the NBA playoffs. It is Mr. Jordan Brickman. Hello, sir. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. Did you ever think that my pitch to you would be Pop-Tarts, Pusha T, and the playoffs? Hey, it's a good pitch. It's hard to say no to. Yes, okay. All right, let's start with the finals. Are you excited for Warriors-Cavs Part 4? Is this bad for basketball or good for basketball? Um, I'm not really excited to watch LeBron play his heart out, probably dominate, and then still lose by probably double digits in maybe four of the five games. Um is it good for basketball? I think the Western Conference Finals did enough for basketball to prove that, um, you know, the Warriors can be beaten, the Celtics or the Cavs are, you know, challenged in the East. I think the, the, the Conference Finals did enough um, to kind of push the, the playoffs forward as, you know, an exciting format. The Finals are going to be what they're going to be. You know, at the end of the day, the Warriors are going to win in, in four, maybe five games. Um, but star power, people are going to watch. People are going to watch LeBron. They're going to want to watch you know, the Warriors play, I think the, the ratings will do fine, but, um, you know, I, I wish that it, it switched up a little bit, but that's kind of the nature of the beast. I think next year we're going to have a completely different scenario. Uh, you know, Celtics are going to be monsters next year with Kyrie and, and Hayward, and uh, who knows what the Rockets are going to do, where LeBron goes. I think next year is going to be the first year where we don't see Cavs Warriors again. Yeah, I, I am in full agreement on that. Let me ask you, somebody who, who, who plays the game, how did what happened in Game 6 and 7 happen in the third quarter? Was it something that tactically the Rockets failed to do or, or that the Warriors did? Is it that a jump-shooting team hit their shots and Clay and Durant and Curry went off? What happened in those third quarters? You, you know, it's, it's, you have to, when you have a halftime break, you have to be able to refocus yourself. I think the Warriors kind of are one of those teams that they're just so good that they can kind of turn it on and turn it off. It seems like they turn it off in the first half, and they say, "Okay, now we're we're down ten or, or whatever it might be. Let's let's get into it now." And then they get and they seem to get hot and they get into their, their rhythm. I don't know if they kind of need to get punched in the face to wake up at this point because it's been so easy for them. Um, you know, up to this point for their pretty much their entire dynasty run, with the exception of the of the little one finals versus the Cavs. Um, but I, I just think that the, the the Warriors have a mindset of, "All right, second half comes. Let's go. Let's go do this." Um, you know, I think that's just so the way that they're built, and that's that's what they've been doing all season. The third quarter of death—that's that's when they that's when they beat all teams. It's not just something about the Rockets. That's what they've been doing to everybody all, all year. Do you think the Rockets win that series if Chris Paul's healthy? Because I I do, and you saw. I think it was Harden say um, after Game Seven they just needed that extra level. Uh, his 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 loss was killer. I feel awful for him, but but do you think considering what the what the Warriors can do with all that? Um, star power and, and that ability to cut any deficit, you know, totally away uh, by a snap of a finger. Uh, do you think Chris Paul's injury made the ultimate difference? You know, it's hard. I'm not going to say that the, that the Rockets would have won. Um, it changes everything. You know, basketball is only five players on the floor, one player out there. It changes the offense, changes the defense. Obviously, you're adding a player that you're expecting to, to be a bonus on both, but. That's not to say that the, the Rockets didn't get blown out in games with Chris Paul out there um, and get blown out in quarters and, and have with, with Chris Paul out there. So 
I'm not going to sit here and say that the Rockets definitely would have won. They definitely clearly needed another playmaker out there, and, and he was missed. Um, but you just never know how what that affects you know Harden's game. Harden had missed like 21 straight threes with Chris Paul out there. Chris Paul goes down, Harden starts hitting threes again. You know, he, not that he was the most efficient player, but he was hitting his shots again. Um, you just never know. I think that how much that can change. But they definitely would have had a better a better opportunity. At the end of the day, they lost by what eight points in, in Game Seven. Um, so you know, it, it's easy to say, oh, they would have won with Chris Paul, but it, I'm not going to say that for sure. And like we kind of just said with, with the Warriors, when they get punched in the mouth, sometimes they kind of step up and, and wake up a little bit. Um, so I, it's, it's hard to say they definitely would have won, but it would have been. It would have been. I'm, I'm sad for Chris Paul and for basketball that that he had to miss those games because who knows if he'll get back there. I think he will, but who knows if he will. You made a point uh, to me in a text message either yesterday or the day before about how the Warriors have gotten have have had this really unique four year run where they keep getting teams that are not at full strength, and yet they've avoided a lot of injuries, except for Draymond's suspension. They've avoided a lot of injuries or or big losses of personnel during this run. It, it's crazy to think, Jordan, and, and, and every great team needs some luck. Tom Brady's obviously stayed healthy for the Patriots during their luck. The core four for the Yankees stayed healthy during their run. Uh, look at the Mets, who have had injury issues uh, take away the opportunity for what could have been a multi-year, multi-deep playoff World Series appearance run uh, fall by the wayside. It is amazing not only what the Warriors have done, but that they've been able to avoid the big calamity. It's crazy. You know, I think a little bit is, you know, Steph obviously was hurt before the playoffs started, but, you know, they had the luxury of, uh, you know, just kind of letting him sit and really heal up because they're just the Warriors and they're that good in the first round. Um, they didn't have a, too tough of a matchup, or even though the second round uh, for, for their level of talent. But Curry and Clay, and even Durant to an extent, are perimeter players that are staying on the perimeter a lot of times. You know, they drive. Obviously, they have their drives per game, but most of their shots are on the perimeter, so they're not taking as much contact as some other players might. A guy like Chris Paul's undersized. He's gonna he's gonna have to play physical to make up for that. Um, you know, there's these different players out there that have more physical games that these than these than Clay and Steph and, and, and KD have. So that allows them to be a little more um, durable because of that. So I think that's, that's part of the, the reason why they've been healthy. You know, Iguodala, I'm actually kind of shocked at how much losing Iguodala has affected them. You know, obviously he won finals MVP a couple of years ago, and he's a, great, he's a very solid player. But I'm really surprised at how little depth they have behind him. Um, so, so, you know, they're starting to feel a little bit, but not to the big four, you know, not to the – the, the steps of the Clays and the Draymonds and the KDs of the world. Because KD was hurt in the Thunder. He missed that, that, that playoff round in the, in the Thunder um, that one year. And it's just crazy how they haven't had one big injury that really kind of changes the odds. You know, imagine Steph goes down and they, and they miss and he misses the rest of the playoffs. It's a completely different team. And I think they've shown that Steph is really the engine that, that, that drives this team. So it's, it's crazy that, they, that the injuries have not come through during the playoffs. And part of that is because they're so good in the regular season, they can rest and they're healthy. Um, you know, they're not playing fourth quarters in 20, 30 games because they're just blowing teams out. They have this opportunity to rest, and that allows them to be healthy and, and fresh for these 40 playoff runs. I totally agree. Talking to Jordan Brickman here about the NBA Finals. One last thing on, on Warriors-Rockets. Think we'll ever see a team miss 27 straight shots again? No, the, I think the odds of it happening I saw were like point zero 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 one percent especially for a team like the Rockets who shoot above league average at around 36%, I believe. Um, the odds of them missing 27 straight is, 
Um, what did LeBron do in Game Six and Seven? I mean, that that is, I mean, what? Obviously, it's an incredible feat, but he put the team in the playoffs in a, in a series versus the Warriors in the finals a couple years ago. He scored or assisted fifty percent of the points in that entire series. Um, I forget if that was a, a year ago or two years ago, but um, he he does this. This is LeBron. This is why you know, my opinion, he's the best player of all time. He he has the ability to run the offense, score the most points, get the most rebounds. You know, get lead a team and block the team's field. This is this is what LeBron does, um, and he just has this ability to. I just saw the article about how he he is resting during games now, and he has this ability to kind of be out there while resting and playing and, and doing everything he does, and and just you know without getting too exhausted. Now we're going to see how that act, how that works versus the Warriors when they're running up and shooting threes every yeah. uh, every other possession. But um, you know, the guy's just incredible. He can do so much and. And the Cavs really need to play a slow style of basketball because of that, especially against a team like the Warriors, because a fast-paced offense like, like the Warriors, they're going to be in a lot of trouble, especially uh, if LeBron's not getting help like he hasn't been, especially on the road game. So, um, you know, he can just do so much, and if they play a slow pace and let him kind of, you know, run a half-court offense, it's, it's hard to stop them. But uh, don't see it happening in the finals, unfortunately, because they have enough help. But uh, just everything he can do is just so incredible. Yeah, um... And and uh, it, it is interesting if you just stop watching the game at times and just look around. LeBron won't run back on some fast breaks. He'll just kind of stand there around. He is trying to rest himself. And, and what he's done single-handedly is just absolutely remarkable. You kind of touched on it there, but how did the Cavs win games in this series besides injuries or ejections or things that we don't want to hope for or talk about? Is it really playing a half-court offense? Is it getting the most insane games out of a George Hill, getting the best J.R. Smith you've ever seen? Is it, um, you know, LeBron you know, going like, you know, 13 of, of 15 from the field and a half or something insane like that? What is the scenarios in your mind that leads to the Cavs actually being able to win games? Yeah, I, I think... Um, you know, he, he, he just needs one, maybe two players to contribute a little bit, at least in the, in the Eastern Conference, to, to, to win these games because he just does so much. I think it's really about controlling the tempo. Um, all season they were getting blown out by teams. You know, you look at teams like the Trailblazers, um, teams that are playing a fast tempo against them that are good but not elite teams would just blow them out because they can just, they're just too fast. Um, the, the Cavs are, are an old team. You know, they don't have much use on that team. Um, the starting lineup is, 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 is definitely up there for, for uh, average age in the league. So they need to play slow. They need to uh, allow their defense to get set. You know, they have veteran players, obviously, that, that comes with age, and they've been in this scenario before. You know, the, for the most part, the rotation they're running with is the, the standard Cavs rotation minus Kyrie. You just they have George Hill now playing in that, in that spot. Um, instead, you know, the guys like Clarkson and, and Hood and, and Nance have not had the biggest impact yet. So it is kind of the same core for them. So they know how to execute at the end of these games and, and during these games, but they have to play extremely slow um, and allow the, the, the offense and the defense to get set. And that has a adverse effect against the other team, you know, that allows them to get out of their offense. And, you know, the Celtics are stacked in the future. Uh, even this team now without Kyrie and without, without uh, Hayward, they, they're stacked and they're going to be even better next year. Uh, with Kyrie and Hayward coming back, but they're still young. You know, they were pretty pretty poor on the road. 
Um, you know, they, they just were nowhere near as talented as, at, uh, on the road as they were at home. They just didn't play as well as the next few. They weren't hitting their shots. Um, so Celtics and the Cavs in some ways got fortunate because of that. You know, they didn't really run into a juggernaut. You thought the Raptors might give them some, some challenge, and they were just they did no-show in the playoffs year after year. Um, so they just kind of have a good game plan, and, um, you know, it's just the LeBron factor. If, if you don't have four Hall of Famers on your team like the Warriors do, it's going to be tough to, tough to beat LeBron. Yeah, it's um, it, it it is remarkable how thin the Cavs are, and and that prospect for the future, as you said, with Boston regrouping the way that they are, and and then who knows um, where LeBron will go. I mean, this could be the last time we see the Cavs in the playoffs, even for a long yeah. time. Um, yeah, it, it is really remarkable. Uh, one thing on the X's and O's front, I, I will say this. I think Tristan Thompson needs to be a big factor boxing out and getting offensive rebounds for second-chance opportunities. You saw what the Rockets were able to do with the Warriors with all their second-chance opportunities, especially in the first half of Game 7. I think Tristan has to have a big role in this series and stay out of foul trouble. Um, Absolutely, yeah. The odds, the Warriors are right now 12-point favorites, um, in game one, I'm, I'm surprised that line isn't a little wider. Uh, what's your overall thoughts just on, on how the betting lines are shaping up for this series? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how it's like negative 1,000 right now that the Warriors win. Um, just massive, massive, massive favorites. Um, I, you know, I, when I first guessed, I guessed that it'd be around minus 300 in that range. Um, I was shocked at how high it was. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, and people are still betting on, on the Warriors no matter what the line is, which is pretty crazy to me. Um, but it's just so hard to see. You know, the Cavs lost to the Warriors last year with Kyrie Irving, uh, with a better team in general. This year they obviously don't have Kyrie. LeBron has such little help. And the Warriors are, you know, the Warriors have, there's something going on there, I think. They definitely don't seem like they are all on the same page. It seems like Durant and, and Steph are not meshing um, exactly well, which is a little weird because last year they they they, meshed, they seemed to mesh so well. I don't know if that's because Iguodala added another element to that offense and maybe balanced them out a little bit as another playmaker. But um, there's definitely something going on there, and Iguodala is just in game one, so maybe there's something the Cavs capitalize on, but they just don't have enough talent to really come close to, to, to beating the Warriors. And um, you know, I think the Warriors are going to win by 25 in game one um, and really kind of set the bar for for, for the series. I, I don't bet I'm wrong, but. Uh, I just don't think that the, the, the Cavs have the defensive or offensive chopsticks to keep up. And it makes sense that, that the money's piling in on the Warriors. Yeah, and, and, and I'm with you on those margins, by the way. All right, um, this next topic I think you're going to want to keep short because what is there to say? The Met team, this, this Mets team started so promising and then it just all went by the wayside. Can you put this in the words? What, what, what is it like to be a Mets fan when you have hope and they hire new trainers, and they go through a new strength and conditioning program, and it all just doesn't work. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw, but City Field was literally on fire. Yes, yes. Um, uh, which is, that's kind of what it feels like to be a Mets fan. You know, the, the, the roof is literally, you know, the, the, the ground is on fire, and the roof is caving in on the, on the roster. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough. And it's crazy. You know, the Mets have had... Two of their starting pitchers get hurt this year batting. Um, yes. I've never seen that happen before. The two different pitchers got hurt when they're swinging a bat this year. Um, 
it, it's just tough, you know. You, you, you know, you know, it's kind of it's, you just kind of know the other shoe is going to drop at some point. Um, you know, when they were when they went on the nine, they went nine out of ten. Um, you know, everyone was all we were, all my friends were all excited about. It. We're like, enjoy it now because we know something bad's going to happen. You know, right around that corner. Sure enough, that's what happened. Now, the one thing that I'll say about where we are right now, I'm obviously ever the optimist when it comes to this stuff, just because you can either be a huge narcissist about it or you can be an optimist. Um, actually, the optimistic side is that, you know, in 2015, when they went to the World Series, they were below 500, uh, I think, through June. Um, and then they went on the run the second half. They got healthy, they made an acquisition, and they went on a run. The offense has looked okay lately. Nimmo is, I think Nimmo is a, is a stud. He's, he's really, really good. Conforto had an awful April first weeks in May. He's starting to come around. Uh, Rosario's finally actually contributing. Cespedes is coming back, is starting, Cespedes and Frazier starting rehab assignments this week. Um, that set up man Swarzak, who pitched in one game, is starting a rehab assignment this week. So there's some help on the way for, and, and Max's injuries seem like they are minimal injuries that they'll miss maybe one, maybe two starts, and they'll be back. Um, they just need to survive to, you know, the final two months and then get hot. Because so that's kind of the form that's worked for them in the past, even in 2016, when they didn't, when they made the wild card game and lost. That year, tons of injuries. They just kind of hung around, and they got hot at the end um, and made the playoffs. So, you know, they're still 500. They're still hanging around. If all you need to be is 500, then you need a couple hot streaks, and you're, you're in. But, uh, and they've done it before the last few years, so that kind of keeps you around. But it is tough, man, it, it, especially when you see the Yankees who just get whatever they want. You know, you guys need an MVP. Here you go. Take them for, for – just take a salary. Give them a little bit. Great call up your prospect, Labor Torres. He'll hit 10 home runs his first couple games. Um, you know, it's tough to watch that happen or cross down because it seems like they never have issues and the Mets have every issue under the sun. Um, and the Yankees find a way to win every night right. somehow, seemingly. Yeah, so, right. And it's like they have a, an embarrassment of riches over there. They're rebuilding, quote-unquote rebuilding, when they were still 500. Um, you know, it was like a couple – it was very short. The Mets can't seem to have any level of consistency. Um, it's tough, but I'll, I'll, I'll hold strong. You know, the Met, they, at the end of the day, if they're going to blow it up, they have some pretty darn good pieces to trade to blow up, um, and they still have some young players in Conforto, in Nemo, in Rosario, a couple guys in the, in the minors that, that are kind of interesting. So um, I'm hanging on, I'm hanging on to, to my hope. You know, right now the team's not great, but as long as they can kind of stay around 500, make it to the second half, there's, there's a chance that they can get hot. I think this is why we're friends. We're both optimists in life. Um, there you go. Uh, all right, this is the segment I am most excited for in a long time on teeing it up. It is time for Decode the Beef when uh, Jordan will explain a rap beef that has me hopelessly lost. Today's is Pusha T and Drake. What the heck is going on? Uh, well, I'm curious. Why are you? What are you lost about? What is? Uh, why I, 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 well, okay. F- f- first of all, it's not that I'm technically lost. It's that, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm slightly confused as to how we got here. And what the backstory history is. I'm, I'm not confused as to the actual back and forth. I'm just like, what's the backstory? And Decode the Beef is just a really good name for a radio segment. So It is a, it is a good one. Yes. So, Pusha T and Drake have had beef for close to 12 years now. Wow. Uh, it goes back to 2006. And there's a lot of details here that you know I'm not going to get into. And I'm, I necessarily don't necessarily remember all of them. But um, it starts with Lil Wayne um, and, and Pusha T and the Clips. So clips versus cash money. It goes all the way back to that. Um, and basically it started around clothing. I'm not sure if you remember Bathing Apes, Bapes, 
uh, clothing style that the Clips would used to wear. Um, and then Lil Wayne and his crew kind of stole it or took it and made it become what it has become a really popular brand. So Clips, is, I find that is you kind of stole our style, our swag. Lil Wayne popularized it. Um, and you'll notice, you know, Clips is, 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 is Pusha T and, and Pharrell is in that. And Pharrell, Pharrell has never produced for Lil Wayne or Drake. So there's, there's always been kind of some tension, some animosity there. Um, there has been tons and tons of little jabs, little shots, little one-lines, subliminal messages thrown out over the years from both sides. Um, this is something that, um, you know, uh, when Joe Budden had his, had his beef with Drake two years ago, he even mentioned in, in a song, uh, you know, you'll press buttons, meaning Joe Budden, but you'll never push a T, like a T-shirt is a little play on words there. Like he's like, you're scared of push a T. This is something that's been up going on for years. Um, Pusha T dropped a seven-song album produced by Kanye West this past Friday on the final song called Infrared. He threw a little shot at Drake for ghostwriting, which is what the famous beef with Meek Mill was all about, that Drake doesn't necessarily write all of his lyrics, that he has a kind of a team of people that help make his music. Um, Drake responded with an entire song that went back to Pusha basically saying, uh, you know, you're looking at me as someone that, that ghostwrites look at, the guy that produced her album, Kanye West, I've literally written for Kanye West. So, so what's the issue here? Because you all have a problem working with Kanye. Uh, so what's your beef with me type of thing? Um, Pusha came back last night in a uh, pretty savage way. You know, Drake, Drake's kind of this is to, to Pusha is that, you know, you're working with another ghost guy that has ghost writers. He's also, Pusha's known for uh, talking about selling cocaine. That's kind of his, his, his thing. Um, and Drake says, oh, you know, you don't sell as much as, as much coke as you say you do, just kind of like talking about his, about his credibility. But that's Drake, that's Drake's uh, side of the argument. Push T comes out and says, uh, your father left you, your best friend is dying, you're a deadbeat father, and uh, you, your baby mom is a porn star. Much more aggressive, much more savage, than, uh, much more brutal than, than, than Drake, than how Drake approached it. But um, Push T basically went to the throat with that. Um, and, and, you know, came super aggressive and super hard at, at Drake, and it's definitely taken the the hip hop industry by storm. You know, it's the the hip hop Twitter has been on fire over the last 24 to 48 hours with, with this, all this. So everyone's just kind of waiting to see what Drake will say next. Um, to give you also one more backstory, the Pusha T song is called uh, Adidon, which is the name of a a clothing line that Drake was about to release with Adidas. And that was, he was going to use his son as part of that release. His son's name is Adon is Adonis. That's the name Adidon comes from. Adidas Adonis to combine them into, into one. He also used an image. First, he used an image of Drake uh, in blackface for the cover photo that came when Drake was 18 from years ago that he did for uh, a clothing shoot. Um, this this they were doing a like Jim Crow uh, clothing collaboration. They were trying to. They were saying that it's, 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 a it's an art representation um, of how black people are treated in America. Not that I, I can just like, comment on how, how that should be perceived, but uh, there's a lot of different reasons why Pusha's diss and all the elements around it uh, are getting a lot of buzz. You know, people didn't know that Drake had a, had a, had a son or any of this information, so uh, he kind of broke a lot of news in, in this piece. So people are very excited and on edge to see how Drake will respond if he does. That was my next question, and, and you just answered it, which is, I had no idea Drake had fathered a child, and evidently the world didn't know that Drake had fathered a child. Um, yeah, thank it had been a rumor for a while, but uh, confirmed now. 
There, there you go. Look what rap beef's on cover. Um, thank you for the first ever decoding the beef with Jordan Brickman um, here on teeing it up. Final thing, your uh, if you have one, we're not in summer yet. We're still about uh, a month away from summer. Song of the summer, album of the summer, or slash song of the summer you're looking forward to. It's album of the summer you're looking forward to. Well, Kanye's dropping an album on Friday. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Kanye's just dropping music every week now. Um, he dropped Pusha T's album. He's dropping his own project. The week after that, he's dropping a collab project with Kid Cudi. Um, he has a Nas album coming, which I'm very interested to hear. A Kanye-produced Nas album. Um, he's also dropping a Tiana Taylor album, who I've never listened to, but Mon Shumper's like. Um, but if it's produced by Kanye, I'll check it out. Anything produced by Kanye or... or that Kanye has his hands on, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to and check out. So that's definitely what I'm, what I'm most excited for. Um, but a lot, a lot of music coming out. I, I, I was a, a fan of J. Cole's album. Drake's going to be dropping an album. He's apparently working on it right now. He dropped a single last week, um, kind of teasing the album. I think it's called Scorpion. So I'm very, always excited to hear what he has to put together. So a lot of music's coming out soon, and, and I'm excited to hear it. Uh, you'll be happy to know that unfortunately Pop-Tarts, cookies, and muffins will have to wait for your next appearance on Teeing It Up. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and, and the what in the world is Kanye doing conversation will also have to wait for another time because Kanye's yeah, Twitter... I don't, I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, no. Uh, Kanye's Twitter feed can, can lead to a very long explanation. The man who won a dodgeball championship and now is about to go out and try to help his team to a softball championship... Jordan Brickman, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. Thanks so much, Jeremy. And you got it. And uh, thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.